Good morning, good morning. Oh, sorry, I was doing text to speak. I'm just kidding. Hey, I had an announcement that I had on the screen. Oh, that's right. I want to show you one other thing uh, before we get the message started. First off, we have small groups, so if you haven't joined a small group, now is the time to do so. What is that from? It's, oh, Survivor. Now is the time to do so, as you'll get it later. But anyways... <laughs> My, you can tell my mind's kind of ping-ponging all over the place, huh? <laughs> Small groups on Wednesday night, 6.30. Uh, men's and women's groups only right now. We've been meeting here at Deep Rooted for the men's, but we've moved over to a house. So now we're meeting in a house, uh, which is a lot better, a lot more comfortable. So if you are a guy and you're not yet in a small group, go fill out a small group form at the table, at the welcome table. We'd love to get you a part of it, connected, um, and just be a part of the body of Christ in, in a better way. And if you're a woman, there's also small group forms over there to meet. You guys are going over, what are you guys going over? Proverbs 31, Ruth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it, it, Rachel, all those great women. So women's group is going really good, and so is the men's group. So I encourage you, get a part, be a part of our small groups. They're, they'll bless you. But I want to show you this really quick. Let's give it up for our online congregation really fast before we get started. So if you see on the screen, there it is. Our ministry is reaching 29 countries worldwide. Praise God. Now, if you don't remember when we shared our vision list with you, do you remember how many countries we were reaching? Four. And now we're at 29 countries. These are all the countries that can tune in to Deep Rooted Ministries that have tuned in to Deep Rooted Ministries, whether it's a podcast or whether it's a video, whatever it is, we are reaching 29 countries worldwide wide. Praise God. That's how far and wide the gospel is being preached here. God is doing awesome things. Amen? Amen. And that is proof right there. So let's get into the word. Who remembers what we were talking about last week? We talked about mega grace for a few weeks. Remember we talked about, we left off talking about the grace of God that's there to help us. His, his help, God's help is his grace in our life. And we have this, the scripture says that now we have the high priest. Remember who the high priest is? Jesus. That Jesus is now our high priest. He is someone who is with us. He is someone who, who goes to the Father on our behalf. He is our, our mediator. He's our interceder. He's the person that's equally attached to God and equally attached to us. He's in that spot of the Holy of Holies. And last week I was reminded of this important fact. Where is the Holy of Holies now? Does anybody know? Where is the Holy of Holies? on the inside. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the holy of holies. And now the presence of God dwells in us. Amen? Amen. And that is why we can now enter boldly into the throne of grace to find grace and help in a time of need. And I want to just remind you guys of some things in the scripture that we talked about. But why is this important? 
Why, why is, are these letters that Paul wrote, and why are these things so important for us to read? Why is it important that we no longer need a high priest to go to God for us? Why is that all important? What, why does that play a role in our life? Because back in the day, in the Old Testament, that is all they knew. All they knew was somebody else had to go to the Holy of Holies. Somebody else had to go see God because we were not good enough. Even God's chosen people had to elect one person to be the high priest, to go to the Holy of Holies, entering into the presence of God. And if he had one ounce of sin attached to him, he'd drop dead. And for thousands, thousands of years, that is the way people operated was through fear. This fear of the Lord. And not in a good way. Not in the way that you might be used to. This fear of God that it distanced the people from the Lord. It didn't bring anybody closer. It didn't bring anyone to a relationship. It distanced everybody from the Lord. And you see this early on in the book of Exodus as the, as the uh, Israelites are leaving Egypt, as they, they make their exodus from Egypt, God is with them. As the Bible says, he's a, a pillar by fire by night and he is a cloud of day or a cloud by day. He's walking with them. He's leading them through the wilderness into their promised land. And then they arrive at a mountain called Mount Sinai. Do you guys know what came out of Mount Sinai? The Ten Commandments. The law. And the moment that these Israelites got to Mount Sinai, you know what happened? Thousands. Three thousand people perished. Three thousand people died. And God was up in the mountain in the glory cloud. And he told the people, not a single person or animal can touch this mountain or else they will die. What happened to the pillar of of fire by by night and the cloud by day? What happened to this God that was leading them through the, the, the wilderness? What happened to the God that loved them so much, that walked with them, that gave them mercy? What happened? You know what happened? God told Moses, he said, tell your people this. I'm going to give them a list of commands that they are to follow, and I will bless them if they follow. And you know what the people said when they heard that report? We can do it. Whatever you say, God, we can do. And you know what they were saying in essence? They were saying, whatever you tell us to do, Judge us based off of our own goodness, not yours. That's what they were saying. Whatever you tell us to do, we can do it. And the moment that happened, then God said, tell them that no man can touch this mountain or else they'll die. Not even an animal can touch this mountain. And that's how powerful our God is. That is how amazing 
he is that you can't even step foot on a mountain, the base of the mountain, lest you die. And there was this distance. And Moses went up in the mountain, and he was with the Lord, and he got the Ten Commandments. And he was up there, the Bible says, for, for quite some time, that the people, they started to get weary, and they started to wonder, where is Moses? Where did he go? Surely he's gone, and we don't have a leader anymore. Let's just worship an idol. And that was the first thing that God told them not to do. Have no other gods, no idols, no other gods in his place. And that was the first thing that these Israelites sinned. And if you don't know the story, we, we said earlier, after this moment, the Bible says that 3,000 people died. 3,000. When the law came, so did death. When the law was introduced, so was death. But there's good news. We, what have we been talking about? And you said it earlier, for the past seven or eight weeks. And where have we been finding this mega grace in? What books of the Bible? The book of Acts. And there's very important information in this. In the story of Exodus that I just told you about, the day it took from the Israelites to leave Egypt and get to Mount Sinai was 50 days, 5-0. And that's the day we know as Pentecost. Penta meaning 50. And it was 50 days from a specific time, the Passover, when the angel of the Lord passed over the whole city. Remember that? The Passover night. 50 days following Passover night is known as Pentecost. And if you look at your calendar, there's certain days marked on your calendar that actually say what day was Passover, what day is Pentecost. The day of Pentecost. And we're actually approaching Pentecost pretty quickly. But in the book of Acts, when the disciples were all gathered together in the upper room, do you know how many days it has been since their last supper meal with Jesus? 50 days. And on the 50th day, the disciples were gathered together. They were all in one accord, scripture says. Then a sound from heaven, as of a mighty rushing wind, filled the house that they were in, and tongues of cloven fire appeared over their heads, and they all began to speak in other tongues. The Holy Spirit power fell upon these disciples. 50 days after Passover. And what was the result? Here comes St. Peter coming out of the room, preaching a message with boldness, telling people about the redemption of Jesus, saying, repent and be saved. And then all of a sudden, 3,000 people were added to the kingdom. The day grace was introduced, 3,000 people were saved. But the day the law was introduced, 3,000 people died. Let me ask you this. Which is better? <laughs> living in the law or living in grace? Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. So that's why it's important to understand what this grace actually does for us. No longer do we have to go to the Holy of Holies. We are the Holy of Holies. God lives on the inside of us. His spirit indwells in us. And our spirit is now crying, Abba, Father. We have this relationship that no one has ever had before grace, before Jesus came and gave us grace. And the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Boldness is the result of knowing something on the other side. Having boldness is the result of confidently knowing something on the other side. Right? If you were walking into a room that no one's ever been into, that no one knows what's inside of it, you've just heard rumors. Oh, it could be something scary. It could be something horrible. Could you walk in there boldly? No. But now if I told you, here's this door right in front of you. And when you walk in it, there'll be there's gold, there's beautiful beds, there's uh, amazing things and this and that, and you'll find amazing stuff in there. Would you walk in there boldly? If you trusted me, obviously. <laughs> if my word was true. You'd walk in there boldly. No problem, you'd say. And you'd walk in there, show me the money, where is it all? Right? Boldness is the result of confidently knowing something. And the reason why you can walk boldly into the throne of grace, where in past time people walked cowardly in that throne room of grace, is because you know something they don't. It's because you know something, you have something that they didn't. You know that there's grace to help in a time of need. You know that there's mercy when you need mercy the most. Amen? You can walk boldly. His grace is his help. Now, let me ask you this. What would your life look like with more help from God? Whatever you're dealing with right now, whatever your life looks like right now, just ask yourself, man, what would my life look like with even more help from God? Now, there's some, hopefully not in this room, but there are some people that might respond by saying, oh, I feel like I'm doing pretty good right now. I'm good. Life seems good right now. I, I, I got it. I, I can take care of things. I don't need any more help. I, I got this. And there are people with that mentality. But let me tell you this. God is doing more in your life than you can acknowledge. And for someone to, someone to say, I'm doing all right. I'm doing good just the way it is. I'm doing fine just how I'm doing it. I'm managing it pretty well. They do not know how much God has been in the, behind the scenes helping them out. So the next time you feel tempted, say, I'm, I got this. I'm good. I don't need any more help. Remind yourself, well, how did I get this far in the first place? How did I get to where I'm at right now? The answer is only by the grace of God. 
only by that grace. Praise the Lord. And the scripture is true. Without him, you can do nothing. But praise God, we are never without him. And the reason why we can do all these things, the reason why Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, it's because he understood God's never without, or I'm never without God. God is never far from me. God has never gone from me. He will never leave me or forsake me. So I can do all things. All things. And as long as God's in the center of it, as long as I acknowledge it's God doing it, not me, it's God's strength, not my strength, there's no reason for you to hesitate on certain things. You can do things with boldness. You can do things with confidence. Why? Because you have God working behind the scenes for your part. Amen? It's not you. It's not your strength. Now hear me, church. Hear me really well. I'm not saying God controls your life. I'm not saying God just makes things happen with, with or without you. I'm not saying that God does things regardless of you. That's all I'm saying. God's not a, a puppet master. God's not somebody who sticks his hand up you and makes you talk. No. But when you start cooperating with him, when you start understanding that you need him, you need him, you need his strength, you need his grace, you need his help, then when you're cooperating with him, the scripture says that God can do immeasurably above all that we could ask, think, or imagine according to the power working in us. If there's no power working in you, don't expect anything. But when you cooperate with the Lord, when you cooperate with his laws that, he, that govern this life, oh, you can expect great things because he gives you the strength. Amen? Amen. You got to cooperate with it. You got to understand it. Take a look at Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2 in the New King James says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes to the law, then Christ died in vain. I'm going to read it from the King James, the anointed version. The King James is the version that Paul wrote with, just in case you didn't know that. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life that I do now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This version says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I do not frustrate the grace of God. New King James said set apart or set aside the grace. I love both translations. Because when you're setting aside the grace, what does that usually mean? You're done with it. I'm going to set this aside for later. I'll put this aside so I can put something else in front. Right? But the King James says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Now, I've mentioned this before, 
anything that comes from God to you through Jesus is called what? Grace. Any gift that comes to you from God through Jesus is grace. Health, grace. Prosperity, grace. Peace, grace. Anything, anything in your life, anything you can read in the scriptures that says it's from God, grace. It's from Jesus, grace. You worked for it, not grace. <laughs> anything that comes from God to you through Jesus is called grace. So if we read this again, he says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Grace. That gift of God, the, the gift Jesus, he gave himself for me. Setting aside the grace, what did Paul say? He says that the work of Christ was in vain. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ was all in vain if I set aside the grace, if I frustrate the grace. How do you frustrate grace, you might ask? How do you frustrate something that's given from God? How do you frustrate it? Well, let me ask you something this. Have you ever seen somebody try to do something and they just keep messing up over and over again and the answer is so clear, but they can't see it and you just want to help them out? And you're looking at them, you're just going, oh, just do it the right way. It's frustrating. Frustrating. Well, that's what grace is doing to you. You're over here trying to work out your own life. You read the Bible that says work out your own salvation, and you take it literally. And grace is sitting over here going, don't you know we paid for that? Don't you know we already washed that away? Why are you confessing this again? Why are you pleading the blood again? We already covered it. Grace got it. And it's saying, just, just let, me, let me do it. And it's frustrating grace. And if grace was a person sitting right here, I could just see the look of the frustration on the grace. Because we're trying to do everything that grace is supposed to do. Right? We're trying to do things in our life that only grace can do. Let me put it that way. Only grace can do those things. You know, James chapter four, verse six says, God gives more grace. God gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know what humility says? Humility says, I need help. Humility says, I can't do this anymore. I need help. I thought I could do it. I can't. Can you help me? That's humility. And we frustrate grace over and over and over and over again when we keep trying to do things that we're not good at. And grace is just saying, can I help you? Can I, can I lend a helping hand? Can I, can, I, can I show you the right way? Can I help you? Do you know what pride says? Let me quote George Lopez. I got this! <laughs> That's what pride says. I got this. 
I can take care of it. I don't need your help. Thanks for offering. I got it. I wish the definition of pride says I got this. (laughs) What is pride? I got this. That would make sense to a lot of things. And even in the opposite sense, people don't accept the help that's being offered not because they think they're good enough to do it by themselves, but because they don't want to burden someone to help. They're too insecure to ask for the help. That's also pride. Humility says, I need help. But pride says, I got this. And we talked about this last week. But that word grace, it's just translated help. This help. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Or you could say, I don't frustrate the help of God. I don't set aside God's help. And when you start reading it that way, you can start seeing things a little bit more clearly. Are you right now pushing aside God's help? Take the word grace out of it. Just put help there. Are you saying, I don't need God's help? Or are you saying, help me, Lord, with everything in my life. Help me. There's a woman that we know. She's a pastor in Colorado. And She even says everywhere they go, wherever they're at, the grocery store, wherever they go, she is always praying, asking the Holy Spirit to to show her what to do. Even at the grocery store. Lord, what milk should I buy today? What butter should I go pick up today? What bag of chips? Want to know why? Because if there's help available, if there's help available from the Holy Spirit in all areas, why wouldn't you want it? Why wouldn't you want the help of the Holy Spirit to show you the best deal? Why wouldn't you want the help of the Holy Spirit to show you the right direction, the quickest route while you're driving? Why wouldn't you want the help? If the help is there, why wouldn't you want the help? Have you ever heard of this company called AAA? AAA auto insurance, right? AAA. Does anyone actually know what AAA stands for? Or do you think it was just like a a phone book trick to be the first person on the phone book? AAA. Well, I don't know if if they got this from AAA, but this is what I got from AAA, roadside assistance. what, What is roadside assistance? It's usually breakdown, your car's not working anymore. You're in the middle of the road. You have no one to help you. So you call AAA. Hey, my car broke down. I need help. Right? And what usually happens? They send out a tow truck. They pick you up wherever you're at. And they take you to your destination or wherever you tell them to go. AAA. Pretty easy, right? But this is what I got from AAA. And they, they, could, they can use this. So if you're watching this AAA, I just want my royalties But the first A, acknowledge you need help. Acknowledge you need the help. You know, there's nothing more frustrating in life, watching someone struggle with something that you're good at, but they don't acknowledge they need the help. You can't help someone who doesn't even know they need help. That's frustrating. The second A, ask for help. 
Let's paint the picture again. Back in the car. You're in the car. You see that, that check engine light came on. Unless you're my uncle, Zach, you wouldn't know what to do. You see that check engine light come on. You acknowledge, uh-oh, I need help. But no, no, there'd be no good coming out of that if you didn't do the next step. Call the number, I need help, and ask for the help, right? These are not separate steps. You need them all together in order for it to work. And the third A, accept the help. Acknowledge the help. Ask for help. Accept the help. And a person who doesn't do any of those three things are frustrating. Even if they do acknowledge, I need the help, but I don't want the help. That's frustrating. Oh, man. But can I show you a couple things in Scripture today in church? Turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. John 14, verse 16. Jesus says this, and he's talking. He says this, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Jesus said, I will pray that God sends another helper. He was the first help. He helps us see God clearly. But then he's sending us another helper who will abide with us. In other words, live with us, be by our side everywhere we go. And he'll be with us forever. Man, I love this prayer because it's from the mouth of Jesus. You know, you ever have a person in your life that's praying over you and, and you want them to pray over you, right? I mean, there's some people you don't want praying over you. But there are some people in our life that, oh yeah, please pray for me, brother. Because when you pray, things happen. Jesus himself prayed for you. That, he, that, that another helper would come. And do you think that Jesus' prayers were not effective? Or do you think God answered his prayers? Remember, God loves you just as much as you love Jesus. Remember that. But Jesus asked the Lord to send a helper. Do you think God sent the helper? Absolutely. Let's keep reading. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says this, and it's a little, little tiny verse. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Pastor Matt, I thought you were reading about the helper. Why are we talking about spiritual gifts now? Again, let's break down these words. What does the word gift mean? It's the Greek word charis, charisma. And what does that word translate to? It goes down to grace, but it also goes down to help. Help. Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. A gift is charis, and that charis is grace, and that grace is help. 
You see that? You know, I don't know if you've been to a church or if you've heard of churches that operate in the spiritual gifts. But in a nutshell, this is all that they're saying. When a church says we operate in the spiritual gifts, that church is saying we operate in the help of God. God helps this church operate. That's all they're saying. Whether they're speaking in tongues, whether they're healing the sick, whether they're prophesying over you, whatever they're doing, all that they are saying when they say they operate in the spiritual, uh, the spiritual gifts is saying that the church is going, Holy Spirit, help us. Help us. Because what Jesus said, he would send the helper. He would send the helper, the Holy Spirit. And these gifts that we operate out of, they're the Holy Spirit's gifts. The Holy Spirit's gift that he helps us, it's a, it's a help in our life. But now when you have a church that doesn't acknowledge the gifts of the Spirit, when you have a church that says, oh, miracles passed away with the apostles, when you have a church saying that, oh, healing's from the devil, when you have a church saying that prophecy's dead, you know what they're saying? We don't need God's help. We can do this all on our own. All we need is what we have in this earthly realm. That is all we need. And they are literally saying, we do not need the help. And I said this last week. I don't care what your, what your opinion is of this certain type of church. I don't care what you might have heard from this certain type of church or denomination. I'm telling you that Deep Rooted Ministries is a charismatic church. Again, do you see the, the flags flying around? No. We're a charismatic church to the point where we say, we need the help, Lord. We need your help. I cannot run this church without the help of the Holy Spirit. And it's more than just, oh, just, just pray and hope everything's all right. No, we need help. We need more than that. We need a help that the Holy Spirit can bring. And those helps, those, those things that he brings are the spiritual gifts. You know, when, when somebody is on the stage and they're saying that they're, they're giving a word of knowledge over someone, they're telling someone something about their life that nobody knows, you know what they're doing? Helping. That's it. I know you're going through that, brother. And the Lord told me to tell you this. Whatever it is, help. Someone comes up for prayer. They're sick in their body. They have a bad leg. Whatever it is, what are they asking? I need help. What are we praying? In the name of Jesus, you're healed. We're helping them. The Holy Spirit's helping us help people. That's all that the gifts of the Spirit are, is help. And and, and Paul, in his writings, he even said that for these gifts of the Holy Spirit, you need to covet them. Covet the gifts. And we're usually taught that you shouldn't covet. But that's how passionate he was. That's how important these gifts are. Covet them. Want them is badly as you can. Just like somebody who's out in the world wants all the money they can get, you should do that with these spiritual gifts. Covet them. Seek them with all of your heart. Look for them. Why? So that you can look good? So that you can stand up here saying, oh, I'm the prophet? No. So you can help. You can help people. And not only that, the Holy Spirit can help you better. I cannot tell you how many times the Holy Spirit has helped me because of these gifts. We're people who, who don't, we don't diminish the small things. 
Because they're small, we don't say that they're small. Small is good. Big is good. Whenever the Holy Spirit does something big or small, it's good. And a couple, like last week or two weeks ago, we lost our cat. Our cat's an indoor cat, never goes outside unless supervised. And we lost it. We left it out at, at, at night, slept all night without it, woke up, couldn't find it anywhere. And we were looking everywhere for that cat. We had no idea where it went. We love our animals. Those of you who think we're crazy. We love our animals, so it, it was really affecting us. And I just kept praying, Lord, show us the freaking cat. Show us the cat. And I even got to the point where I accepted, Lord, tell me if it's dead. Tell me if it's dead, if we even should go look or not. And it never came in my heart, never came up in my spirit that it was dead. So we went looking. And the Lord, very faintly in my heart, said, go walking around the neighborhood. Every article we read said, look at night, wait till nighttime. That's when cats like to come out, get some food. So I was going to wait till nighttime. But the Lord said, walk around the neighborhood. So what do we do? Walked around the neighborhood. A couple minutes go by, we heard our cat meowing in the corner bushes. <laughs> Found it. Home now. Being spoiled as ever. <laughs> but what is that? Help. Something as small as that. So we, we, don't, we don't consider it small. The Lord did it. The Lord was willing to do it in that area. I can, that's a whole other subject, but I believe the Lord wants all of our animals to prosper in Jesus' name. <laughs> I can find you the Bible, and I'll fight you to it until the day we die. <laughs> but that's all a charismatic church is, a church that says, I need the help of the Holy Spirit. That's it. Thank you, Lord. There's three things I want to end this service with, what the helper will do. The Holy Spirit. Number one, the helper will teach you all things. In John chapter 14, the Bible says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Thank you, Lord. You don't know everything. The scripture says, I have the mind of Christ. I believe that wholeheartedly. This brain up here, I I have the mind of Christ in my soul, in my spirit. In my spirit. I know everything that Jesus knows in my spirit. But in my carnal mind, in the carnal flesh part of me, I don't know much. That's why the Bible says that God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. To prove, he's basically proven to everybody. Look how great I am. I'll use someone who's dumb to do something so great. Seriously. I'll use someone who's so weak in their flesh that they'll do something so strong in the spirit that people are going to wonder how they did it. That's how good our God is. And in the process, he's not going to leave them dumb and leave them weak. He'll strengthen their spirit and he'll strengthen their flesh. God is so good. He is so good to us. But the Holy Spirit, the helper, the help that we get from grace will teach us everything. There are things that we do not know here. The Bible says we prophesy in part, we know in part, but that when that part is finished, then we'll know everything when we go to heaven. Right now, we don't know everything. 
But as we go throughout this life, the Holy Spirit's job is to remember, bring to remembrance. Now, I asked the Lord about this. What does that even mean, Lord? Bring to remembrance? What if I never read the Bible? But I'm a Christian. Remember, you have the mind of Christ. And this is what the Lord told me. You have the mind of Christ already living on the inside of you. You don't need 30, 40, 50 years of seminary to be reminded of things. You already have the mind of Christ in you. So when the Holy Spirit reminds you of what Jesus taught and said, he's reminding you of what Jesus remembers. He's reminding you of Jesus' mind on the inside of you. Can you get that? It may not be what you know in your own remembrance, but he's bringing to remembrance things thousands of years ago that Jesus said and did in his own life. God, that is so awesome. But the thing is, for you to be taught, for the Holy Spirit to teach you these things, you have to be teachable. You have to acknowledge Acknowledge the help. I don't know everything, Lord. Remind me. Help me in these areas. Help me with this certain thing. Because the Holy Spirit is an expert in all areas. Every single area of your life. The Holy Spirit is the expert. And who wouldn't want the expert's help in your life? Amen? Amen. The second thing is the helper will testify of Jesus. John 15, 26 says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. If I can have the guitar come back up. He will testify of me. How do you know if what you are hearing is from Jesus or not? You ever had that question? I prayed and I'm not sure if this is from the Lord. Is this from God? Who is this from? The scripture said that he will, the Holy Spirit that Jesus sends, the spirit of truth will testify of Jesus. As long as what you are hearing testifies of Jesus, it's from Jesus. As long as what you're hearing tells you something true about Jesus, it's from Jesus. Amen? Amen. It doesn't get much more complicated than that. Oh, Lord, thank you. How do I say this, Father? There are some people that I know that have said, the Lord just led me down this path and now I know who I am and I, I like the same sex. Jesus brought me to this point. And my immediate response is, which Jesus? The one I follow or is there a new one somewhere out there? Because my Jesus never said that. My Jesus will never, ever lead someone down that path. My Jesus will never, ever, ever lead someone into a path of sin. Ever. And people are genuinely confused, thinking that Jesus brought them to this decision. The Holy Spirit will testify of, and 
Jesus. If it doesn't ring the bell with Jesus, it's not from the Holy Spirit. It's not from him. That's why I said the Bible is the best commentary of the Bible. It testifies of itself over and over and over and over and over again. Lastly, the helper will tell you of things to come. In John chapter 16, verses 12 through 13, the Bible says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Whenever I read this, I always think, come on, disciples, you guys couldn't handle the truth? There's more things that Jesus could have said. There could have been more red letters in my Bible, but because you couldn't hear it, he didn't say it. He says, there are things that I have to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, your helper, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. You see, even Jesus didn't say things that he wanted to say. There are things that you shouldn't say to certain people, even if it's good, because they're not ready for it. They're not ready to receive it. There are things that I've, I've with, withdrawn from people. I've withholded from people, not tell them everything because they're not ready to hear it, even if it's good, good or bad. On the contrary, there's other people that I've talked to that I haven't said something that they needed to hear because I knew they weren't ready. I knew it would just go right over their head. But the truth is, when the right time approaches, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will guide them into that truth. When the time has come, when the time is right, it might not be when you thought it was right. You might have thought you could have said something to someone at this certain point, but it wasn't the time. You've got to trust that the Holy Spirit will show someone what they need to see. Sometimes we play the hero. We like to play the hero and, and change people's lives and do all these great things to help people see the truth. Sometimes you just got to shut up. And I, I mean that in the nicest way. Sometimes the people that you love the most, that are you want them to change for the better, they can't hear it from you. They won't receive it from you. They need an outside source. And that's when you need to pray that the Holy Spirit will help them. That the Holy Spirit will send someone into their path to guide them into that truth. But there are certain points in our, in our time where we just have to keep our mouth closed. Love them, bless them, pray for them, but shut up. Because sometimes we do more harm than we do good. Sometimes we say things that keep pushing people away, but if it was said by somebody else, it would draw them closer. Trust the Holy Spirit to guide people into truth. But you got to bring it back to the very first thing I said. You cannot help someone who doesn't want it. You can't help somebody who does not want the help. Amen? Trust the Holy Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit that He will guide them. He will guide you into all truth, when to speak the truth, when to withhold, when to do what you need to do. He will always 
help. Is that a good word this morning? God's grace is God's help. Amen. <laughs>